Sefer Haggai. Haggai, along with Zechariah and Malachi, is one of the last Devi'im that we have as Jewish people. Haggai and Zechariah both seem to predate the building of the Second Temple. In fact, the book of Haggai is mainly about urging the people to build the Second Temple. Zechariah also mentions that as well, while Malachi seems to be already post-building of the Temple. All three of these Nevi'im were Nevi'im in the time of the Persian Empire. It's important to understand the context of the Persian Empire and how it fits into history. We know that the first empire to exile the Jews, at least the Kingdom of Israel, was Ashur. And as we mentioned many times throughout many of the books, and even of Treasai, Ashur was the most powerful nation in the world at the time. And then all of a sudden, right before the destruction of the first temple, Bavel takes over, Bavel conquers the kingdom of Ashur, and becomes even more powerful than Ashur, more powerful than any empire the world has ever seen. And then finally, about a hundred years later, the ascendancy of Bavel is not that great of a period, and in about 539 BC, Cyrus the Great, or as he is in Tanakh, Kodesh, conquers the Babylonian Empire. The Persian Empire now becomes by far the greatest empire the world has ever seen, extending from Mitzrayim throughout the entire Near East, and far greater than any empire the world has seen. Of course, this trend of empires becoming greater and greater continues with history. The next empire to conquer the Persians, the Greeks, have an even larger swath of territory. And finally, when the Romans conquer the Greeks, they too extend the empires into previously unseen proportions. The empire that Kodesh, Cyrus the Great, creates is known as the Achaemenid Empire. This empire controlled Babylonia, it controlled many of the great kingdoms that were, he unified them into this powerful empire. Haggai comes on the scene in the times of Daryavish. Daryavish, or Darius I, is not the next king after Cyrus, rather there's one in between, Kanzubi, or Cambyses II, who's in between Kodesh and Darius. The reason why that is significant is because during the first year of Kodesh's reign, right when he conquers Babylonia, he makes an announcement to the Jews saying, you can return to your land and you could rebuild the temple. This is when Ezra and about 50,000 Jews returned from Babel to Eretz Israel, as you'll see in the later Sepharim. At this point now, the Jews seemingly have everything working perfectly for them. They're back in their land. They're back building the temple. However, there's a few things that go wrong. One, only 50,000 Jews return. That's an extremely small number. The Jews were comfortable in Babel. They weren't ready to move. They had a financial situation. And Israel was desolate for the past 50 years. The king Kodesh, when he became king, was about 51 years after Nebuchadnezzar destroyed the temple and brought all the Jews to Babylonia. Thus, there wasn't really anything there. It was 50 years. It was an empty land. Today, we could imagine it almost like the miracle of the modern state of Israel in 1948. And even before that, when Jews started returning to the land, there was nothing there. It was extremely difficult. These 50,000 Jews were on their own building the land. Eight years later, in 530 BCE, Cyrus died. His successor, Camuses II, was not nearly as generous to the Jews as Cyrus was. Camuses II, under political pressure from groups surrounding Eretz Israel, as we see in Sefer Ezra, stopped the building of the temple. Camuses was king for eight years, and thus for eight years the temple was not being built, 
nothing was happening. At this time, 522 BCE, Camus has died, and over there was a king for a few months, and then Darius I comes onto the scene, Daryadish. Darius rules from 522 BCE to 486 BCE, and in his second year of rule, as we'll see in this book, Sefer Haggai, he issues the order to rebuild the temple. He allows the Jews to continue their rebuilding of the temples. We mentioned earlier that Kodesh came on the scene about 51 years after Nebuchadnezzar destroyed, Bab destroyed the temple. 51 years later, he gave the order to, to the Jews to start building. And about 18 or 19 years later, we have Daryavish in his second year of rule. Thus, it turns out to be 70 years from the destruction of the temple when the Jews rebuild the temple. This, of course, is in line with the Nevi of Yirmiyahu, that famous Nevuah in Perekavtet Pasukud of Sefer Yirmiyahu, where he says that in 70 years, he will remember the Jews and return them to Yudushalayim. Many of the classical commentators point out that the first year of Kodesh, when he first issued the decree that allowed the Jews to rebuild the temple, that was 70 years after Nebuchadnezzar came king. Thus, it could easily have been misinterpreted in the 70 years instead of the destruction of the temple to the ascendancy of Nebuchadnezzar. Thus, we now can understand the place and context where Haggai is in when he begins to urge the people to rebuild the temple. It's important to know that there are many various opinions exactly the Persian kings. It is not so clear who is who in Tanakh. Matching up the years and the kings from history to the kings of the Tanakh is extraordinarily difficult. And thus many opinions are around. In fact, according to Hazal, he was the son of Esther, meaning the son of Ahasuerus, which was placed in much later. It would make him, in fact, to probably be around Darius II, whose father was Xerxes II, or maybe whose grandfather was Artaxerxes, which was placed him about 120 years later. Thus, of course, the history would look extremely different if we understood this to be Darius II, but it seems to be from matching up the years that this is talking about Darius I. Of course, the problem intensifies when we know that Hazal said the second Beit HaMikdash was around for 420 years. We know it was destroyed either in 70 or 68 CE, which was placed the building of the Beit HaMikdash either at 350 BCE or 352 BCE. Of course, that's not that's after Darius II, in fact, it's about 70 years after Darius II began his kingdom. Uh, it would, it's a little before Darius III. So it's really confusing to figure out how Hazal viewed these events. There seems to be almost 166 missing years as they date the temple being built in 350, as opposed to in the time of Darius I would place it at 516, six years into his reign, we know it was built, as you'll see in later books. These missing years are not a new thing. People have known about them for a long time. And the obvious question, it seems, is why Hazal placed the date over there and sort of created this conundrum. Uh, what were their motives? Were their motives? And many different answers have been offered. One interesting thing that results from this 166 years that we're all familiar with is was the Beit HaMikdash around during the Gilat Estere? 
If we place the building of the Beit HaMikdash with Darius I at 516 BCE, then the Beit HaMikdash existed during the times of Hashverosh, during Esther, and during the Kingdom of Persia at that time. Which is fascinating as it's not mentioned. Obviously, the setting of the Gilat Esther is not in Israel, but it's still very interesting just to think about that, that in Israel, the Beit HaMikdash was around at that time. Of course, according to Hazal, who say that the Darius mentioned here, who is building the temple, is essentially the son of Ahasuerus and Esther, then of course, the temple was not around yet. Finally, I'll just end off with one more interesting thing that seemingly is hard to understand. The king who stopped the building of the Beit HaMikdash in Ezra is mentioned as Atachshashta. The king before Darius the first is Cambyses the second, Kanzubi Hashini, who ruled for eight years. Atachshashta in Ezra, who we know from the rest of Tanakh, ruled for 14 years. So what exactly is going on? If we want to say that the Big Tepidash is building in 516, why is Atachshashta, presumably Adaxerxes, ruling before him? We know historically that doesn't make sense. Additionally, the problem is even further compounded when we realize that there are four Adaxerxes after Darius until Darius III. Thus, Chachamim could have maybe understood him as any of those kings. Of course, the years between our historical records and the Tanakh do not really add up. And the answer for this problem and how exactly to resolve the contradiction is well beyond the scope of the podcast. However, there is tons of research, tons of questions and answers being posed. And for someone who is interested, there are definitely many means for you to further pursue the topic. We'll now begin studying Haggai. Pesuk Aleph. Bishnat Shtayim L'Daryavish HaMelech L'Chodesh Shishi B'Yom Echad L'Chodesh Hayad Vara Dunai V'yad Haggai HaNavi El Zerub Bavel Ben Sha'al Tiel Pachat Yehuda in the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of God was through Haggai Hanavi to Zerubbabel ben Shealtiel, the governor of Yehuda, and to Yehoshua ben Yehotzadak, to Kohen Gadol, saying, As we mentioned, Daryavash here is probably referring to Darius the first. The sixth month, this is Elul, it was Rosh Chodesh Elul. Perhaps Haggai was, had an audience then, as we know, in Elul, people used to gather. So it would make a lot of sense for him to give his speech then about a Beit HaMikdash. We should have a place to be gathering. And it says he was talking to Zerubbabel ben Sha'altiel. Zerubbabel was a governor of Yehuda, Pachat Yehuda, and still by the Persians over the area of Israel. As we know, the Persians were the great power of the time, and they allowed the Jews some degree of rule in their own country in Israel. Zerubbabel, according to many Chachamim, he is Shesh Batsar, mentioned in Sefer Ezra. According to the Talmud, Zerubbabel is actually Nehemiah as well. However, the Rambam and Shaktamat and the Mishneh Torah counts them as two separate people. We know from the Vrehayamim as well that Shaltiel is actually his grandfather. His father was Pedayah. Yehoshua ben Yehotzedak to Kohen Gadol. Yehotzedak was the last Kohen Gadol who was exiled with the Babylonians. And here his son, Yehoshua, is the first Kohen Gadol after the Persians returned the children of Israel to the land of Israel. 
פסוק ב' כה אמר אדוני צבאות למוד העם הזה אמרו לא אתבוא את בית אדוני לבנות So said Hashem, Master of Legions, saying, The time has not yet come, the time of the house of Hashem to be built. The people at the time of Haggai said, It's not up to us to build the Beit HaMikdash yet. We're not supposed to do it yet. It's too early. As we mentioned earlier, they perhaps may have been disheartened because they interpreted the 70 years to be for Babylonia's ascension as opposed to the downfall of Yerushalayim. Thus, that 19-year difference led them to believe 19 years ago, during the time of Kodesh, that it was time to build the Beit HaMikdash. Then, as we know, it was stopped by the next Persian king. Here, the Navi is coming and saying, Now it's time for you guys to start rebuilding. They perhaps should have realized when Daryavish became king that they should have repetitioned the king of, of Persia. With a new king, perhaps he would look differently upon them and grant them permission, and they failed to do so. Thus Hashem sent Haggai to rebuke them and to get them to once again start the rebuilding of the temple. It's important to note here, as we mentioned, only 50,000 Jews came up with Ezra to Yerushalayim. Thus they weren't terribly excited about the whole situation. As we'll see later, their agricultural efforts were not succeeding so well. So therefore, it definitely they needed that extra pride from the Navi for Hashem to tell them, guys, let's get moving. And the word of Hashem was through Haggai the prophet saying. This is another introductory pasuk, perhaps because he changes his focus to talking to the leaders from to Yehoshua and Zerubbabel to talking to the whole nation as large, as we'll see in the next few pasukim. פסוק דלת העת לכם אתם לשבת בבתיכם ספונים והבית הזה חרב? Is it time for you yourselves to sit in your houses with ceilings and this house lays in waste? The Navi here rebukes the people for having, for concerning themselves with their own com- comfort. They had houses with ceilings, they were protected, they were sheltered, and yet the house of Hashem laid waste. Compare this to David's wish to build the Beit HaMikdash when he says, I'm sitting in a house of cedars and the Aron is sitting in a tent. Here, the people are the opposite. The Navi has to come to them and tell them to build the house as opposed to David who went to the Navi to try to go and get grant permission. David wished he could build the Beit HaMikdash. Here, the people have, been, have to be prodded in order to begin the rebuilding. Pasuke. And now, thus says Hashem, Master of Legions, Set your heart upon your ways. Set your heart upon your ways is a phrase that appears a few times in Sefer Chagai. And what it means is, think about what you're doing. Think about how things are going for you and internalize it and realize that everything that's happening is because of Hashem. The next Pasuk, as we're going to see, you haven't been successful, realize that it's because it's not from Hashem. And at a time like this, when everything is supernatural, when they're returning to the land of Israel, when these great miracles are happening and the, the king of Persia is allowing them to rebuild the temple, the people should have realized that everything here is a divinely orchestrated series of events, and they should have realized that everything that's happening here is directly from Hashem. Now 
You have sown much and brought in little. You have ate, but have not been satisfied. You have drank, but not to quench your thirst. You wear clothes, but there's no warmth in it. And the one who makes money, makes money into a bag with holes. Everything you do has been supernaturally, through the assistance of God, not been working out. You've been eating, you've been drinking, you've been doing normal functions, but it hasn't been working for you. And this is clearly from God, and you guys should have realized that. Pasuk Zayin. Thus said God, Master of Legions, Set your heart upon your ways. As opposed to Pasuk K, where set your heart upon the ways was to realize that things haven't been working, now set your heart upon your ways for the future. Change what you're doing and make it productive for the future. Pasuk Chet. Alu hahad v'havetin ayet uvnu habayit v'ertsebo v'akabbeda amar Adunai. Go up to the mountain and bring from their wood and build the house. And I will be pleased from it and I will be glorified. Thus said Hashem. Don't delay and plan and think about this and make the architecture of the house. Go do it. I want you to take action now and go get it. And don't be worried that maybe it won't match up to the first one. Maybe you won't be rich. It, it won't be as glorious as all the gold that Shlomo put into the bite. Shoot. After all, you're going up the tree and getting down the wood. It's not the most fancy thing in the world. But God says, I will be pleased from it. I will be glorified from that very house. The Chabbedah is written without the hay, and Chachamim used this to make a drasha. Five things are missing, like the letter hay. The Aron, the Rimitumim, the fire directly from heaven consuming the Korbanot, the Shekhinah, and Ruach HaKodesh. Those five things were not present in the second temple. And what they're saying is strengthening the point of the Pasuk. Even though things are not going to be the same, our relationship might not be the same as Bayit Yishon. As we know, Bayit Yishon never got those things. However, at the end of the day, God says, I want you to build my house and I want you to initiate the relationship with me, even if it won't be exactly the same status as we had previously. Pasuk Tet. Panoel you looked for a lot, and behold, it was little. And you brought it home, and I blew on it. For what, the word of God, Master of Legions? For my house, which is laid waste, and you are running each man to his home. This passage continues to rebuke and make that connection between what's happening with Israel and the Beit HaMikdash. Everything you do right now at this crucial point in history is directly related to God. Everything that happens to you is a response from God. Pasuk says whatever they thought they brought home from the fields, after working the fields, having much grain, behold, they brought it home and it wasn't that much. And even when they did bring it home, God blew on it. He easily dispersed and destroyed it without much effort just to show them without God there's nothing you can be successful in. Pasuk Yud. Therefore, over you the skies have withholded their dew, and the land has withholded her produce. The doc points out here, over you the skies did not have dew. Everywhere else on your surrounding neighbors had normal agriculture. They had rain, they had dew, they were successful, but you weren't. And the point is to go out of the way to show the supernatural nature of these events. It's only because you guys are not running to build a temple 
instead running to your own houses. Pasuku Dalif. And I have called the drought on the land and on the mountains and on the grain and on the wine and on the oil and on everything that the land shall give forth and on man and on the animals and on every labor of the hands. This extensive list starts off with the things that most notably would be affected by the drought. Al Hadig Al Haaretz on the land, on the ha- on the mountains where this many trees grow, on the three staples that people need at that time, wheat, oil and wine, the three staples of agriculture. But then it continues from man and animal. Radak comments that perhaps the air was so dry that it was actually damaging. And Al Koyagiakupaim all their efforts to alleviate these problems to help fix the drought to help perhaps provide alternate forms of labor, everything was brought to a standstill by this massive drought and supernatural curse, so to say, God placed on the efforts of man. Next few Pesukim till the end of Pedic talk of the response of this people to this powerful message of Haggai to essentially get moving. Even as Rab points out, the Navi here uses a play of words, I call the drought, as opposed to the state of the Beit HaMikdash now, which is Hareva, laid waste, perhaps one of these indicating through this uses of words, again, that it is directly a response to the state of the Beit HaMikdash. From now till the end of the Perek, it deals with the response of the people to Haggai's message. Pasuk Yud Bet. Vayishma Zeru Bavel ben Shaltiel, Yoshua ben Yehot Sadaka Kohen HaGadol, Vachol Sherit Ha'am Bekor Adonai Elohehem, Vah Divrei Haggai HaNavi, Kasher Shilacho Adonai Elohehem. And Zerubbabel, son of Shaltiel, and Yeshua, son of Yehotzadak, the Kohen Gadol, and the entire remnants of the nation listened to the word of Hashem their God and to the words of Haggai the Navi, as Hashem their God has sent him, and the nation feared from before Hashem. The people, after hearing Haggai, realized what they've been doing is wrong and quickly decided to change their ways and take action. They feared the word of Hashem. They understood that Hashem was the one who was causing their situation and decided to change their course of action. And Haggai, the messenger of Hashem, in Hashem's message, said, saying, I am with you, the word of Hashem. Here, Haggai is called Amalach. A malach does not necessarily, as an Rambam and Moneda Bukhim points out, mean an angel. Rather, it is used many times as a messenger, and perhaps there's no greater proof than our pasuk, malachut, in the message of Hashem. And he has to reassure the people, because remember, they've tried to build a temple before, it didn't work. Their attempts at controlling the land, at agriculture in the land, are not succeeding, they're not doing great. And they're now embarking on this huge task of building the temple, they need that reinforcement, they need that encouragement from the Nevi that Hashem is with them and they will be successful. And 
And Hashem aroused the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shaltiel, governor of Yehuda, and the spirit of Yehoshua, son of Yehoshadak, the Queen Gadol, and the spirit of all the remnant of the nation. And they came and did Melacha in the house of Hashem, master of legions, their Lord. Through his Nevi'im, Hashem roused the people to go and begin construction on the Beit HaMikdash. And when was that? We see in Pasuk Tetvav. On the 24th day of the month, in the 6th month, in the 2nd year of Daryavesh the king. Thus this was 24 days after the Nebuah, which was on Rosh Chodesh Elul, of the 2nd year of Darius' reign.